if a trusted friend were to ask you this morning, how, how are you doing today? You know, somebody you trust, uh, how would you respond? And maybe you would say, well, I'm okay. And maybe you'd say, well, I'm doing great. I'm full of the joys of spring. And certainly, you know, seeing everybody's faces this morning, you know, everybody looks happy, you know. But a lot of times our hearts maybe tell a different story. We might be facing some challenges um, in our lives. And you might say this morning, well, maybe I'm not doing so good. Um, I'm low. I'm worried. Uh, I'm Maybe you would say I'm depressed. I actually am I'm in a low place. And I was reading this week um, a survey that was done recently of 1,005 adults, and this is just very recently, as carried out by a group called Behaviours and Attitudes, and it found that 50% of Irish people, almost half of Irish people, have would say that the COVID-19 pandemic has made them feel depressed or anxious and has affected their confidence. Um, 25% of people said uh, they had fears around losing employment. Um, 14% said they were drinking too much. Uh, very interesting to me that uh, people uh, between the age of like 25 and 34, uh, a lot of people in that age group were saying, yes, I have a lot of worries and anxiety. And um, that surprised me uh, because even young adults are facing a lot of worries uh, because of this. And, you know, as Christians, I think we're not, we're not immune um, to becoming depressed. Um, we're not immune to facing anxiety and worries. Um, and even, uh, as we will see in a moment, uh, even some remarkable spiritual heroes in the Bible and, you know, in modern times as well, like even since Bible times, have struggled with depression. It's a very... Um, real thing. Um, I know um, even the Lord Jesus had low times where he was sad, you know, and he faced low times. Um, Amy Carmichael, the great missionary in, in uh, I believe it was in India, and she said there were times in her life where she was so low, and she was a woman that loved the Lord, had given her life to serve the Lord, and yet faced um, depression. King David, you know, when you read the Psalms, uh, the Psalms are not the heart cry of somebody who was always on top, somebody who was always happy and joyful. When you read the Psalms of David, you realize that there were times where he was very low and he was discouraged. And so uh, many people have struggled with depression. Um, how would we define depression? Well, I think um, this is a simple definition, but depression is a state of dejection of mind and unpleasant emotion which lowers the vitality of functional activity. Let me explain that a little bit. Um, you know, it, it has to do with unpleasant emotion, feeling sad. And we know we're depressed when we are, are not able to maybe do the things that we normally would do. And it affects our, our, our activity, our ability to function. You know, you ever felt like, I just don't feel like doing anything. You were low and you just felt like, I just don't want to do anything. Feel like I, I, I can't do anything. And um, so we want to talk about that this morning uh, from the life of Elijah in the Bible. Elijah was seriously depressed at one point in his ministry. And um, as we look at how God helped him, 
I think it would be a help to us. And really, when I talk about depression, you know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, maybe it, it really can vary. It could be maybe a moderate depression for days or weeks where we were are low and maybe not as serious as other forms of depression. We might be talking about a more serious uh, depression for, for months or even years. Um, and that, uh, again, can we can face that as human beings uh, and really everything in between. So um, I'm using, in a sense, a broad definition of uh, depression as I speak this morning. Uh, but let's look at uh, the life of Elijah. So if you want to turn to First uh, Kings chapter 19, um, we won't read uh, every word um, of the story of Elijah and, and the depression that he faced. Uh, but we want to look at the story and we want to really hone in on some um, of the passages here, some of the verses here. So just a little bit of background while you're turning there to the story. Um, the setting is in Israel, the northern kingdom. And, of course, the, the, the nation of Israel had divided into Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel at this point. At this point, Israel, while in God's in name they are God's people, they're not living for God. They're living wickedly, um, and they are not following God. Uh, they're worshipping false idols. So it was a sad day in the nation of Israel. The characters uh, in uh, the story, first of all, we have Ahab. Ahab was the king of Israel at this time, and he was, sadly, he was a wicked king. Um, in a sense, he brought um, a new definition to the idea of a bad king of Israel because he was he was really uh, not a good man. First um, Kings chapter twenty one says of him, "There was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel his wife stirred him up, and he behaved very abominably in following idols." So Ahab was not a good king. And it's interesting, too, that the next character in the story comes up in that verse that I just read. It says Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up, or she um, urged on her husband to do wrong, to do um, evil. And obviously, we're all responsible for our actions, but Jezebel certainly didn't help Ahab to be a godly king. Um, Ahab's wife, Jezebel, she was a very evil, crafty woman. Uh, she was a Zidonian princess, and um, the, the daughter of, of the, the king of the Zidonians. And um, she fervently worshipped Baal, um, a false god, and probably other gods as well. Um, it, it, it wasn't just Baal. And uh, she led others to do the same. Uh, so this is Jezebel. And again, she was constantly stirring up her husband to do wrong. Perhaps she encouraged them to worship idols the, the way he did, and he led the whole nation of Israel in worshipping Baal and other false gods rather than worshipping the true God. And then uh, the third character in the story um, is Elijah. Elijah is probably the greatest prophet that the Old Testament era ever saw. Now, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest of the prophets. Okay, so I, I have to, you know, bring that in. But Elijah was, he was a mighty prophet. Um, you know, I just heard a message this morning um, about the transfiguration, when Jesus was changed into his glorified form there on the mountain. And um, when, he, when that happens, and, and Peter and, and John are, are there, 
when that happens, Moses and Elijah come to be with Jesus. It's quite an honor. Jesus is going to die on the cross soon. And Elijah was one of the Old Testament characters that came to be with Jesus. Um, and so Elijah, he was, he was a, a, a remarkable prophet. He was just a human being like you and me, as we'll see from the story. Um, but God used his life in a remarkable way. And so Elijah is a character in this story. Now, Israel had not, at the point that um, uh, Elijah becomes depressed, right before that, Israel had not seen rain for three years. You probably know the story. I'm not going to go into detail. But they hadn't seen rain for three years as a punishment for their evil ways. And Elijah comes near the end of that three years, and he meets Ahab, King Ahab, and it's interesting, Ahab says, oh, you who troubles Israel, you know, and he's blaming Elijah for the lack of rain and the, the troubles that uh, Israel are going through. And, and they, uh, Elijah says, Ahab, well, it's not my fault. And really, as a nation, we've not been following God. And this is, you know, God is trying to get our attention and get us back following him. So Elijah calls for a contest on Mount Carmel between Elijah who, of course, is representing the true God. And, of course, God is the central character in this whole story and his, his dealings with, you know, human beings, with the nation of Israel um, and with Elijah and with, with these people. Um, but Elijah is to represent the true God in this contest on Mount Carmel. And then the prophets of Baal, there were 400 of them. Uh, it tells us later in the book of First Kings, Jezebel personally took care of them. Again, Jezebel was a devoted follower of Baal, and so she took great interest in the prophets of Baal, the priests of Baal, and the, the different temples or places of worship where they would worship uh, Baal, both in, in, in temples and, and then also in groves upon mountaintops. And so uh, these prophets of Baal, they are the other contestants in this competition, okay? And here's the, the contest was this, you probably know this, but the contest was who can pray to their God and call down fire from heaven? Well, the prophets of Baal try and try, and they are not able to call down fire from heaven there on Mount Carmel. Um, and Elijah kind of mocks, it's kind of funny, Elijah kind of mocks them as they're, you know, praying to their God. He said, well, maybe he's on holidays, you know, and uh, maybe he's asleep, you know, uh, mocking their false god, you know, uh, Elijah does. But they're not able to uh, call down fire from heaven. Well, despite Elijah's altar to the true God being repeatedly soaked with water, Elijah prays for fire. And he says this, he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day, and I'm reading um, in chapter 18, verse uh, 36, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Uh, this is one of the most awesome uh, events in Scripture. It's just so amazing what happens next. Verse 38 says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God, 
the Lord, he is God. And Elijah and these people of Israel who have just turned back to the true God, they pursue the prophets of Baal and they actually kill them. Um, and then shortly afterwards, uh, in answer to Elijah's prayer, just uh, it seems like just hours later, again in answer to Elijah's prayer, it starts to rain again for the first time in three years. Uh, clouds descend on the nation and, and rain comes. You know, that was a good day at the office for any prophet, okay? And he's seen God do something remarkable, you know? And he's seen really a national repentance where um, people have turned back to the true God. They've been far away from God. They've been worshipping other false gods, and they turn back to God. But you know what? That's precisely when Elijah became very depressed. He became very depressed. And um, this is where I think we can learn from the causes of Elijah's depression, because we can identify with a lot of them. And then also how God helped them, because I think it's the same way in which God wants to help us when we're depressed. And we'll talk later about, uh, you know, there, there's obviously there's physical causes, and, and uh, these are not perhaps the only things that we might need to address in in in, in order to see victory or, or release from depression in our lives. There, we might be struggling with some serious depression and some real physical factors that need to be addressed. But these are things that definitely can help us um, in, a, in a real way. So Elijah becomes depressed. Well, it starts, it really is depression starts in verse 2 of chapter 19. You see there in chapter 19, Queen Jezebel um, she sees this whole scene happen on Mount Carmel, and of course, she's outraged. She's seen Baal be shamed, his prophets have been killed, and she sends a messenger to Elijah with this message. There in verse 2, it says, uh, Jezebel said this, she said, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, we're going to make your life like those prophets of Baal that you killed uh, earlier today. You're going to be dead. Okay? Now, we think of Elijah, and he is a prophet. He is brave. He is courageous. He's not afraid to speak up for God. But for various reasons, that hit Elijah very hard, and he was scared. He was terrified. And um, in verse 3, it talks about Elijah, he's afraid, and he literally runs for his life to Beersheba, uh, which is a place in Judah. He leaves a servant there in Beersheba, and he goes out into the desert alone, on his own, there in the desert. And he is so low that he prays this prayer. There in verse 4, he says, I have had enough, Lord. You ever felt like that? I've had enough. I can't take any more. Well, that's where Elijah was. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And, wow, this is a serious depression. I mean, think about that for a second. He actually wants to die. He doesn't want to go on. He's so low that he doesn't want to go on. Now, think about it for a second. This is Elijah, the great prophet. And... I think it can encourage us to know that the greatest believers in God down through history have faced 
depression at times in their life. And Elijah was no exception. Um, you know, Spurgeon was uh, a pastor in the UK uh, back in the 1800s. Uh, Charles Spurgeon. And God used him in, in a great way. Uh, thousands would come to hear him preach uh, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. And many people came to Christ uh, listening to the preaching of C.H. Spurgeon. But, you know, Spurgeon would talk about his fainting spells. He struggled with depression. And there were times in his life where he was low, really depressed and in a, in a low state of mind. And that was a part of his life. Did, did that mean there was something wrong with him? No. It's a part of the human condition. Sometimes we get low. Sometimes we get depressed. Um, and let me just say this. Don't beat yourself up about being depressed. Okay? If you, if you are low, um, whether it's serious or, you know, or, or whether it's more moderate, if you're low, don't beat yourself up about it. You know, don't add to the pain of being depressed by feeling bad about the fact that you're depressed. Okay? Um, there are many characters in the Bible uh, that face the, the same thing. Even the Lord Jesus himself, I believe, uh, was low at times. He was discouraged. He was depressed, we might even say. Um, and so we need to recognize that. Now, why was he depressed? Why was um, Elijah depressed? This is helpful. We can see some physical causes um, of why Elijah was depressed. First of all, Elijah was depressed because he was afraid. He was filled with fear. Worry and fear can be a factor in depression. Also, notice this. He is choosing to be alone. Now, we're out of time right now <laughs> in the COVID pandemic when we're probably all spending a little more time physically alone than we might choose. And I, I think that's probably part of the reason why more people are depressed right now than uh, before the pandemic. And when the pandemic is over and we're back to more normal patterns of life. But it's one thing to be alone, but it's another thing to, to choose to be alone. And, and that interests me that Elijah actually leaves his servant there um, at Beersheba and he goes out on, into the desert on his own. We all have to be alone sometimes. Um, but... When we're depressed, we sometimes need to be careful that we're not alone too much and that we're not choosing to be alone more than we need to be. Um, Elijah did this. You know, it's interesting. I heard, uh, was listening to the radio the other day, and a guy on the radio said something that was very true. He said, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, we can be physically alone, but we never have to be socially alone. Uh, we can pick up the phone and ring someone. We can text somebody. We can WhatsApp somebody, um, but there are ways that we can keep in contact with others um, that can help us. So he, he's, he's choosing to be alone. It's a part of why Elijah was depressed. Also, he's exhausted. You know, the strongest human being can get low when they are tired, when they are exhausted. And think of it. Elijah had just been through three years. He'd been beside the, the brook there in Cherith, and uh, the brook Cherith. And, you know, then there's this amazing contest uh, on the top of Mount Carmel there. And he sees the fire of God come down, and 
and the rain comes, and then he actually runs before Ahab's chariot back to Jezreel. Okay, so he runs some miles, uh, Elijah does. And he's exhausted. He's exhausted physically. He's exhausted emotionally. He's even exhausted spiritually. You know, he's been um, trying to help people. And he's worn out. And he's just wrung out. And I think that's maybe part of the reason why when when Jezebel says, you know, I'm going to kill you, he just reacts with such terror and he runs away because he was exhausted. He was not definitely not um, at his best. And, uh, you know, we also see some more causes uh, for Elijah's depression in uh, a little later in the story. Um, but we want to see how God helps him, okay? Now, notice these are physical um, causes for uh, his depression, and we can see those. But we want to see how, how God helps him. Now, it's interesting, too, that God, how does God help him? God doesn't condemn Elijah. He doesn't say, Elijah, pull yourself together, you know? It's interesting, what we'll see um, in the next few verses is God cares for Elijah. God has compassion on Elijah. And he recognizes that Elijah is human and that there are some real physical causes for why Elijah is depressed. And he helps him to solve some of those physical problems um, before he does anything else. So what happens in the story, Elijah, again, he arrives there in the desert. He falls asleep under a tree. And uh, you can see here uh, in the passage God sends an angel who wakes him up and gives him bread to eat and water to drink. Okay? So, uh, Elijah falls asleep. Now, think about it. He's exhausted um, and he's depressed. Part, part of the reason why he's depressed is because of his tiredness. So, God lets him get some rest. Okay? Um, I was going to say he got to take a holiday in the sun, but I don't know how pleasant it was to be sitting under a broom tree in the desert, okay? But at least he was able to get some sleep. So um, he's there in the desert, and he falls asleep. And it says in verse 5, An angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head there was bread baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. So what happens for Elijah, um, he falls asleep, God feeds him and gives him some water, and then he falls asleep again. And then, if you notice in verse 7 and 8, it says, the angel wakes him up again, says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And I just find God's care for Elijah so beautiful that he just tenderly takes care of me. He doesn't give out to me. He doesn't say, Elijah, will you pull yourself together? Why are you so afraid of Jezebel? He recognizes that what God's servant needs right now, he needs to sleep. <laughs> he needs to eat. He needs to drink some water. He needs to get that physical uh, part of his being nourished so that he can see things more clearly. Now, it's interesting, um, he also gets some exercise, okay? Uh, 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 thinking of um, uh, David and Leona on the walk with uh, Andrew and Lorna, <laughs> when, I was, when I got to this part. Uh, but uh, they were 
Elijah was to walk 416 kilometers um, to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. As far as I can tell, it's, it's Mount Sinai. That's the same place. And that was a journey of 460 kilometers. So traveling that over 40 days, he's still doing 10 kilometers a day to get to Mount Horeb. That's still quite a distance, okay? So you can imagine for more than a month, he's walking every day um, to uh, get to Mount Sinai. So um, he was going to need that bread um, and the strength, get some rest and eat some food because he had to go to Mount Horeb because God wanted to speak to him. God had some things to say to Elijah. Now, notice how God helps Elijah. He can help us uh, when we are depressed. These things are so simple, uh, but they are important. First of all, he lets Elijah sleep. When we're depressed, if we can at all, we need to try to get some rest. And uh, on purpose, to try to get some sleep uh, so that our body can recover. Um, I remember hearing one uh, man say, he wrote, wrote a great book uh, just about walking with God, and he said, um, he said, I'm about as spiritual as I am rested. He said, if I'm tired, it's very hard for me to think about anything spiritual. And I think that's true. Um, so we need rest. He gives them simple, nourishing food. Uh, you know, when we're depressed, we need to eat properly. We need to give our body what it needs um, so that we can have strength physically. And he gives them, also gives them plenty of water to drink. I know these things are so simple, but I don't know about you, but when I get low, I can forget these things. And I don't realize that sometimes it is affecting me. It's not helping me um, to regain um a positive um, outlook and to get back to normal activity in my life. Um, and also he helps him get some exercise, okay? He was uh, walking 10 kilometers a day. Now, I, I wouldn't suggest necessarily that you walk 10 kilometers a day, but um, he definitely did get some exercise. And, you know, it is amazing how just getting active can lift your mood, you know, even when you're low. It, it is incredible to me. Uh, sometimes when I'm low, I get out and get active and do something active. And I find just, you know, going for a run or a walk, I feel better just doing that. You know, it helps so much. And, you know, God understands that. And I think the journey to horror was a part of God helping Elijah. Now, it's a, it, my, my grandmother, um, Lily Tracy, we call her Nana Lil. Uh, she's in her 90s now. And uh, she is, she's a bit of a character. She never met a stranger. Um, and for most of her life, uh, she lived in a house right by the Red Cow Roundabout uh, in Dublin on the Nace Road. And uh, my grandfather owned a, a heavy plant uh, machinery business. And they did very well over the years. They built the thing up uh, out of nothing and built a very um, successful business out of it. Well, the house there was right beside the, the yard where all the heavy machinery was. And um, it, it, it's kind of a, a strange place because right in the big, middle of this big industrial area, there's this house. It's still there to this day. And uh, my grandmother, a lot of people would come through the house over the years. And a lot of people came to my grandmother for help um, over the years. They'd have a problem, maybe a family friend or somebody who worked for my grandfather and people would come to her and they'd say, oh, I'm having this crisis in my life. 
And, you know, very often what she would say to them is she would say, okay, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give you some food, okay? And she would make them a bit of dinner. And uh, then she'd say, now, I want you to go down and get a hot bath. And the spare room is the second door on your left. I want you to get into bed and have a good sleep. And we will talk about these issues in the morning, okay? And she said, almost always, when the person would come to the kitchen table the next morning, the problems would not seem half so bad. <laughs> and, you know, so there would still be problems. They'd have to talk through them. But she said, it was amazing just getting a good meal and having a wash and getting a good night's sleep um, would help people so often uh, with the depression they were facing. And the fact is, we live in a human body. And we're going to look at some spiritual solutions in the, the last part of the, the, the talk here today. But we need to recognize that we live in a physical body. And let me also say, the truths we are looking at are not a substitute for medication for depression or therapy with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I, I'm not uh, saying that these things are a substitute for that, but they definitely can help. Um, and so I'm not saying that, you know, we should not do those things, because again, the very fact that we live in a physical body, you know, in some cases there are serious physical causes for depression. For example, postnatal depression. A woman uh, gives birth to a child and then goes into a serious depression in her life. That is very much a physical thing that's happening with the chemicals in a woman's body. And uh, that, there's a physical part to that. Um, and some of the spiritual things I'm going to be talk I'm going to talk about can be a help, but those physical things need to be addressed too. And uh, sometimes um, those things need to be treated very carefully. And uh, you know, if you're receiving care or medication, um, don't stop those things. But these things that we're talking about can be a help. Now, in a sense, the things I've talked about up to now um, are. Things that, in a sense, you could hear from other sources, okay? But the last thing, and this will hopefully only take a minute or two, we'll, we'll just keep this brief. But the last thing that we want to look at can really help, because you're not going to get this from a psychiatrist. You're not going to get this in a self-help book. This is something that we find in the Word of God, some truths from the Word of God that can help us in depression that are unique to the Bible and the Word of God. And I have found they are so impacting to help us when we are low. Now, the story continues on in verse 9 and 10. It says, um, so Elijah, again, he makes that journey. He arrives at uh, Mount Sinai. Um, it talks about in verse 8. And then he arrives at Mount Sinai and he spends the night uh, in a cave. And then in verse 9 and 10, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And listen to what Elijah says, because this helps us to know another cause of his depression. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And here's another cause for his depression. Listen to the way he responds. God says, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And Elijah tells God what is going on in his heart. Okay, he tells them what is going on in his heart. And Elijah shares his perspective, and his perspective was off. That was a, a part of his depression. 
Um, and there's a record playing in Elijah's head. He repeats the exact same phrase in verse 14. Um, you know, uh, some of you are too young to uh, remember records being uh, in common use, okay? But I, I can remember when I was a kid, uh, we had a record player in the house. And I know vinyl's making a comeback now, which is cool. A lot of purists love uh, vinyl and, and records are kind of making a comeback, which is, is interesting. But um, back when records were the main way that people listened to music, I remember we had this record in the house and it had a scratch on it. And whenever the record would get to that part where the scratch was on it, it would play the same part of the song again and again and again. And it would nearly drive you crazy. And somebody would say, turn off the record, you know. Well, Elijah has a scratched record playing in his mind. There are some thoughts and the way he's looking at life um, that are affecting him. And it's, it's very hard for him. First thing he, he thinks is, no one appreciates me. No one appreciates what I've done. You know, I've been trying to serve God. I've been trying to help these people turn back to God. But no one appreciates it. In fact, they want to kill me. And it's interesting, too. It was like that was the straw that broke the camel's back uh, for Elijah. You know, he's serving God. He's, he's doing all these things. And when that threat from Jezebel comes, he said, here I am trying to do good, and they want to kill me. This is awful. Um, so no one appreciates me. Here's another uh, thing in his perspective. My efforts are pointless. I'm not having an impact. You ever felt like that? I'm not achieving anything. That can be a cause of depression. Uh, another thing, I'm all alone. I'm the only one serving God. You ever felt like that? That can be real. You know, we can feel isolated. And lonely. And um, in verse 18, God's going to show uh, Elijah, you're, you're not the only one. There are 7,000 others who have not bowed the knee to Baal. But you know, when we are depressed, everything looks dark. Everything, a lot of times things can look worse than they truly are. There, there can be real issues that we are depressed about. You know, depression can be a kind of distortion, uh, one lady said. It can be a kind of distortion where we're looking at the world and things look worse. It's like looking through a gray filter at the world. You know, you're looking through some gray sunglasses and everything looks dark. And, and this is difficult. Now, how does God help him? Well, in verse 11 through 13, um, the, God says to him, go, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And it says then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So the first thing, that great powerful wind comes through. Verse 12, and after, sorry, the end of verse um, 11 there, it says, um, After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And, you know, there's a lot we could say about this passage for time's sake. We're not going to. But notice there's these three dramatic uh, things that happen. The, the, the wind 
the earthquake, the fire. But God is not in those things. And lastly, there's a gentle whisper, and God is in the gentle whisper. Do you know what? Elijah needed to hear the gentle whisper of God's voice in his heart. That's what he needed in the midst of his depression. And you know, we need that. We need to hear God's voice. Like a mother's voice calms a hurting child. The voice of God in our hearts. You know, when we hear God's voice, as we read his word, and we talk to him in prayer, that can so comfort us and encourage us. I don't know how many times, you know, I've been low for some reason or other since the moment I got saved years ago. And I was discouraged. Really, I felt like, you know, just giving up on trying to follow Jesus. And I came to the Word of God, and God spoke to my heart. And in a very real way, God put me back together again. And maybe not immediately, but God began to help me out of that low point and encourage my heart. And it helped. You know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, we have physical needs, and those can cause depression. We also have spiritual needs, and and the Word of God, uh, as God speaks to our heart. And, you know, maybe uh, if we're facing a low time or depression in our life today, maybe, maybe you have no strength, and you just need to say, God, I need to hear your voice. Lord, speak to my heart. Um, you know, as you read his word, you know, as you get together in Bible study um, with your church, God can speak uh, to your heart. And really, there's a difference between, you know, just reading the Bible or just, you know, uh, listening to uh, a service or a teaching and actually saying, God, speak to my heart. And where he speaks that word of comfort. So we see how God helped Elijah He speaks to Elijah in a still small small voice. Notice we we don't need to spend much time on this, but let God correct your perspective. You know, it's interesting. God doesn't address all the things that um, Elijah brings up uh, in uh, verse 10 and then uh, in verse 14. It's as if God says this, I've got this, I'm in control of these things, and you need to get your eyes on me. And in verse 18, he says, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah was not alone. And truly, we are rarely as alone as we feel. God is there. There are other people that care about us. And we can put our eyes on the Lord and reach out to somebody, perhaps. But recognize I don't have to be alone. And then it's interesting to me, and we'll close with this, in verse 15 through 17, uh, God gives Elijah um, his next task. He tells Elijah the next thing he needs to do. And something that I found is helpful to come out of a low time is to do what God has set before you with all your heart. Elijah was instructed to go and, and anoint Hazel, the king of Syria. He was to anoint him to be the next king of Syria, to anoint Jehu to be the next king of Israel after Ahab. Um, and then to anoint Elisha uh, to be his successor as a prophet. And part of the solution to depression is to get back to doing what God has told you to do to fulfill your role with all your heart. And it's interesting, part of Elijah's uh, problem and, and why he's discouraged is he's saying, am I having the impact I want to have? And sometimes we can get discouraged, we step back and look at the big picture. Uh, you know, success 
is as a Christian, success is doing the next thing that God tells you to do. We are servants after all. And success in the Christian life is to do the next thing that God wants us to do. And it's interesting, Elijah immediately goes and does that. He anoints Elisha to be a successor. And the depression apparently lifted. Um, and we hear no more about his depression. And so it's just some helpful things uh, that can help us remember uh, what God says in Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are just. And God knows our frame. He knows that we are human. He does not condemn us or berate us uh, for those low times and, and feeling depression. Rather, he wants to help us. And so the question for us today is, will you let God help you with your depression uh, in a similar way, uh, in the way which he helped Elijah?